welcome to Southridge. We're honored and glad that you be here for our friend day. And uh, thank you for those that invited and thank you for coming, making the trip over here. We're glad that you're here. Hopefully you got a um, coffee and a donut. And if you didn't, feel free to help yourself. We've got a table with some of those that are set up for you. We're glad and honored that you are here. Looking forward to a great day. And we're kicking off a new series. We're really excited about this series on the family. As we study the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at the family. I know for some of us, when it comes to family and we start looking at the Bible, we get a little bit nervous because we're looking at our families and we're thinking, I, I don't know, my family's not all that great. And I don't know if I want to uh, go to a series that talks more about the family because it might just kind of rub it in that my family is not all that it should be. But I want to remind you, the Bible's filled with messed up families. Like, just go through it. You just want to look at families. There's not a lot of good families there. Look at David and his family. Hey, his own son tried to kill him, okay? Hopefully you haven't had that. I mean, you know, that's pretty bad. You haven't had to deal with that. Think about Jesus' parents, okay? Here's a little dialogue, all right? Mary talks to Joseph and says, hey, have you seen Jesus? No, we haven't seen him. And then for the next three days, they can't find him. Okay, so don't feel bad that you lost your son at Target. Okay, it's all right. All right, really, it's okay. So if you're thinking, I don't have it all together, perfect. This series is just for you. Okay, so we're honored. We're glad that you are here as we look into a great new series that we're calling Hashtag Family. And we're glad that you're a part of this series. We're going to be in the book of Genesis. And if you don't have your Bible, not a problem. I brought mine. It'll also be up on the screen as well as in that worship guide that you may have received on your way in. You can pull that out. You can follow along the scriptures. There'll be some notes. We provided a pen for you. And uh, what we do typically on a, on a Sunday morning, we'll either go through a series or we'll go through a topic. This next couple weeks, we want to invite you in on a series that I believe will be a great help to your family as well as to my family as we start studying the life of Abraham and Sarah. And they were the, a great family in the Old Testament. And over the next five weeks, we're going to kind of look at their life and we're going to pull nuggets of truth out that we can apply to our everyday life because family is tough. I know that for many of you, your family, you may have come from a family that was great. Some of you may come from a broken family. Some of you, the family that you have right now may not be everything that you want it to be. And some of you may be sitting here and thinking, I'm single. I'm 13. You know, I, I, that, I got a long time. Or maybe you're saying, you know what? I'm not married. I'm not in a relationship yet. I want you to understand no matter what your age is, or what your stage is, this series is for you. Touch the person next to you and tell them, no matter what your age or your stage, this series is for you. Touch them and tell them, okay? No matter what your age or your stage, this series is for you. Because guess what? Here's what we do. In life, we prepare people for that next stage, but how many of you, your parents sat down and after the birds and the bees conversation said, hey, here's how to have a great family. I don't know about you, but mine didn't. And I know a lot of times we're just expected to kind of just assume, just kind of watch and, and learn and pick up some things. And you can, but it also helps when somebody sits down and says, hey, let me teach you some things. And so this is why I think it's so crucial. So if you're a teenager in here and you're just like, oh, I don't know about this, take some notes, file it away. And man, I'll tell you what, you might make a great husband or a great wife one day because you're going to take these truths and you're going to have an awesome family. Because family is what makes up the fabric of a society. But so often we see families that are struggling and families that fight. 
my family, I have six other siblings, uh, a large family. And so you can imagine there were some good knockdown, drag out fights, broken bones, uh, black eyes. It just comes with the territory. But here's the thing about family. Today, we live in a day and age where people, when family gets tough, they take off. They don't want to stay with their family and work things out. Here's the thing I want you to remember as we go through the series. Families may fight, but family is worth fighting for. Families may fight. Your family's going to fight. My family fights. Austin, he's our little son. You know, he's only three years old. If you get to meet him, uh, I'd love for you to meet him sometime. He'll get in between. Jane and I will just kind of tease each other and start uh, getting a little bit loud. And all of a sudden, he'll get in between us and be like, no fighting, no fighting. But he's only three. So he'll say, no fighting, no fighting. You know, and he just kind of, no, 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 we don't fight. We don't fight, you know. And uh, so maybe that's where you feel like you're at, where you're just trying to keep things calm. I want to encourage you this week as we dive into not only this series, but in the following weeks. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter number 15, we're going to look six verses, six verses. I'll begin reading in verse number one as the scripture is up on the screen. Here's what the Bible says. After these things, the word of the Lord came down to Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus and Abram said behold to me thou hast given no seed God he's saying he's praying to God he's talking to God and he's saying God I have no seed I have no children I have no one to continue on my line because God is going to give Abraham a promise here and we're going to see it in scripture and he's having this argument now you got to understand Abraham at this age of his life he's 80 years old at this point in his life. His wife is 10 years younger. She's 70 years old, and they don't have any kids yet. And he's like, God, I'm kind of past my prime. I mean, it's kind of over, you know? I mean, it's just not the same as it once was. But here's what God says in verse number four. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven, Abram, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. God says to Abraham, Abraham, look up at the night sky. Can you tell me how many stars there are? You can't. It's an innumerable number. And Abraham looked up and he thought, that will be my descendants one day. That's the promise that God gave to him. Verse number five. And he brought him forward the verse number six. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Let's start with the word of prayer and ask God to bless our service. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We pray right now that you would use this word. I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray that you would use me to deliver something that would help somebody that's here, somebody that in their family, in their situation, they need a word from you. And I pray that you would meet that need this morning. I thank you for our new friends that are here. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that this word would be timely. And I pray that you would help them. Also, I pray for the 49ers to win tomorrow. We love you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Just had to throw that in there. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, it's, it's all right. I hope you don't mind if I, if I sneak one in for my team. All right. Well, in honor of getting back to school, I've got three points that will help us. And I know we're not always enthusiastic about school. But I've got three things that I want us to learn this morning. 
point. Number one, I really want us to learn to lean. You say, what do you mean? Learn to lean. Number one, we need to learn to lean. We're talking about family. And some of you are like, what does leaning have anything to do with family? Here's the thing. When you and I have a problem, when you and I have a need, when you and I have something that, that we can't change and we can't fix, oftentimes we get fixated on that problem. And what happens is we get our eyes off of God, who is the problem solver. And so what God is trying to get Abraham to do in this passage, he's trying to say, Abraham, I understand you want a son. I understand your wife really wants children. There is a burden for women in this room. You've gone through it, some of you. You know there is a burden with comes with you wanting a child and not being able to have a child. And for many times, you start blaming yourself. And then the husband in that situation, he feels like, what can I do? I mean, maybe I could provide a good living. I can buy her a nice car. I can do all these things. But what she really wants, I can't give her. And so Abraham is at this frustrated point in his life. There's nothing he can really do. Even though Abraham is wealthy, Abraham has uh, cattle, he has sheep, he has servants. On an outward look, he looks like he's got it all together. But you know what? The one thing he wants most, he can't have. And here he is. He's coming to God. And at those points, when you're saying, God, I, I want this. I need this. I'm praying for this. That's the point where we need to lean. You say, why do we need to lean? Did you notice verse number six? Here's what the Bible says. And the Bible says, and he believed in the Lord and it counted him for righteousness. Now that word believed is an interesting word. It's actually the exact same word as to put your whole weight on. You say, what do you mean? To just kind of lean back on that truth. To just kind of rest on that truth. And what happens so often is we don't lean back. Instead, we just kind of keep doing what we want to do. And we don't fully trust the promise. We don't tr- fully trust the power of God. Instead, we just kind of keep going about our own way. And we never fully lean back. Hey, Tim Gomez, can I borrow you for a second? I like to illustrate points a little bit better. So can I borrow you? Can you come on down here? Can we give a round of applause for the wonderful, the awesome Tim Gomez? Glad that you are here. He didn't even know. He, he's like, what? He's having to put down his coffee and everything. See, here's what I want to do. I want to illustrate this point of leaning back, okay? Because here's what happens. Oftentimes we don't. Doug, can you hold this just right there? Because what happens, can you turn around just for a second? I'm going to take out my jacket for this illustration. What happens is we're not fully leaning on God. We're saying, God, I trust you, but is Tim leaning? No, he's not leaning. Hey, Tim, just lean back. Don't, don't worry, I've been taking CrossFit. I'm in shape. It's all right. Just keep going. Keep going. And so until he leans back, now is he trusting me? Now, what if we go a little bit farther? All of a sudden, he's like, oh, he even said it. He's like, whoa, don't worry, don't worry. I got you. I got you. See, he's leaning back his weight. You see, some of you, you're afraid to lean back. You're afraid. You're like, I don't know if God can hold me. I don't know if God can really do something. And God is saying, hey, I'm God. Lean back. I'll take care of you. But some of you, stay right there. I still need you in a minute. Some of you, you're like, no, no, no. I don't want to lean back. I don't want to fully trust God. And God is saying, hey, I can't take you to that next level until you stop right here, until you get this part of leaning. NHL, a whole nother level. That's where God wants to take you. But too many times, we're just like, God, I know you're there, but I don't know if I'm going to do it. And instead of leaning like we should, instead of just leaning back, we're like, no, 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 I got this. Did Abraham have it on his own? Couldn't do it. And the situation you're in, you don't have it on your own either. So the lesson for you this morning is to say, you know what, I'm just going to lean back. I'm going to lean back. I'm just going to trust God, and I'm just going to give him my all. 
Give Tim a round of applause. There we go. Thank you. Got my workout in for today. There we go. Awesome. So leaning back. But here's the thing. God is trustworthy. Notice verse number one. Notice what it says. Whew. Out of breath. It's all right. Here we go. After these things, the word of the Lord came into Abraham in a vision saying, fear not. I am. Did you catch those two words? If you have a Bible, if you have a pen, you need to highlight that, underlight that, because God says, I am. This is crucial. This is powerful. This is meaningful, because God wants you to understand who he is. Because a lot of times, we walk around life, we don't understand who God is. We don't fully see him as high and lifted up and powerful and glorious. Instead, we just go through our life just thinking, I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if God can provide for my bills. I don't know if God can take care of my family. I don't know if God can take care of my children. I don't know if God can keep my relationships together. I don't know if God can help me with my job. And we just worry and worry and worry instead of fully leaning on God. The Bible says, Abraham, believe. That means to lean, to place his full weight. I believe there's some people here and you're not putting your full weight in God. You're struggling. You're wrestling. You're frustrated. You're going through a situation similar to Abraham. And God's saying, just lean back. I got you. Just Lean back. And you can't lean back till you understand who he is. You see, too often we're looking around, we're looking back, and we're not leaning back. You see, you're not saved by making promises to God. That's not how you get saved. You don't make God a promise. Say, God, I promise you really good. And God says, okay, that'll, that'll get you in heaven. No, no, you are saved by believing, leaning on the promise. You see, God says, I will send my son to be your savior. Put your faith, put your trust on him, and he is your righteousness. Lean on that. Put your full weight on that. Don't put your weight on your works. Don't put it on your charisma. Don't put it on your ability to make money. Don't put it on your car. Don't put it on your spouse. Put it on Jesus. He's the only one that can do it. So we need to understand who he is. And Jesus in God in first verse says, I am. I want you to understand That he is the first and the last, the keeper of creation, the creator of all. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. You see, he is unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, unrelenting, unequaled, unparalleled, but he is never undone. He was beaten, but brought healing. He was pierced, but eased pain. He was persecuted, but gives freedom. He was dead, but yet brings life. He is risen to bring power, and he reigns to bring peace. When I fall, in, when I fall he lifts me up. And when I fail, he cleanses me. He is love, he is light, he is life, and he is Lord. The Pharisees couldn't stand him. Pilate couldn't stop him. Nero couldn't crush him. Death couldn't keep him. And the new age can't replace him. And science can't erase him. The world can't understand him. Armies can't defeat him. Schools can't explain him. And leaders can't ignore him. He is goodness, kindness, faithfulness. He is God. He is holy. He is righteous. He is powerful. He is pure. His ways are right. His word eternal. His will unchanging. And his mind is on us. He's our savior, our guide, our comfort, our Lord. And he rules our lives. I serve him because his bond is limitless love. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. He may not understand, you may not understand him, but don't misunderstand me. He loves you and he wants you. His goal for you is abundant life. He will never leave you, never forsake you, never mislead you, and never abandon you.
He'll never cancel an appointment with you. When you're weak, he is strong. When you, are, uh, when you lose your way, he, he's there. When you're afraid, he is there. When, you're, when you've lost all hope, he is there. He will steady you. When you're hurt, he will heal you. And when you're broken, he will mend you. When you're blind, he will lead you. When you're hungry, he will feed you. When you face trials, he will be with you. He is everything to everybody, every time, everywhere, in every place. He is our God. God. He is powerful. He is graceful. He is merciful. And he is always faithful. He is the son of God. He is the sinner savior. He is the centerpiece of civilization. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals. He is the key to knowledge. He is the doorway to deliverance. He's the pathway to peace and the roadway of righteousness. I wish I could better describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. That's who he is. You can lean on him this morning because he is the I am. But not only did he tell Abraham, I am, he also said, Abraham, I will. I will. I'll step into that situation. Hey, Abraham, you can't take care of it, but guess what? I'm God, so I will. But not only did he say, I will, he also made Abraham a promise that I'm going to give you some land, that I'm going to take care of you. And this is what's amazing. At the end of that same chapter, verse number 15, he tells, the children, he tells Abraham, guess what? I have given you the land. I have given you the promise. You see, only God can talk in past tense about what is your future tense. Because God says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Thoughts of peace. Thoughts to give you an expected end. So whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, God says, I'm there. So we need to, number one, learn to lean. Touch your neighbor and say, learn to lean this morning. Learn to lean this morning. It's okay. You can lean on him. Learn to lean. Not only that, we need to learn to look. You say, why do we need to learn to look? Because in this same passage, verse number five, he says, you know what, Abram? Your, star, your, your, your seed is going to be like the stars of the sky. And then I kept reading in these passages. I came across Genesis 22, verse 17. And there, God makes another promise to Abram. He says, not only will your descendants be like the stars of the sky, they're going to be like the sand of the seas. That's incredible. We can't count the stars. Could you imagine trying to count Every grain of sand. Could you imagine taking one handful of sand and let it slip between your fingers and try to count that? And he says, that's going to be your descendants. Abram, look at this promise that I'm making you. Look at what I'll do for you. Abraham, I'm here. But I begin to think because God, he gives a beautiful metaphor. This is a powerful metaphor. But God doesn't just give us metaphors. He gives us promises that we can take to the bank and that we can believe. Because guess what? When you think about sand and when you think about stars, it gives you a mental picture. And the picture is this. The picture is when you look up. Because guess what? Sometimes family is great, isn't it? Sometimes family is awesome. Husband and wife get along. Kids are perfect, which is very rare. And man, you just feel like you're on cloud nine. Your your head and face is in the clouds, and you're just happy, and things are up, and it's great. But there's sometimes when you get the doctor's notice that there's a disease. Sometimes there's divorce. Sometimes there's a wayward child. Sometimes there's hurt. Sometimes you lose the job. Sometimes you don't get the scholarship. 
Sometimes there is the car accidents. Sometimes life doesn't go as planned. And you're no longer looking up at the stars. Your face is in the dust. Your face is in the sand. And God says, guess what, Abraham? Just like when you look up, I'm there. When you look down, I'm still there. I don't know if that spoke to anybody like it spoke to me when I saw it. Because that's the reminder I need. Because family is not always perfect. Family is more like up and down, up and down. And you're riding these waves. And you're going through the terrible twos. And then you're going through the fantastic fours. And then you hit teenage years. And all of a sudden, everything you thought you knew about parenting just goes out the window. Who cares, Spock, whoever wrote the book or whatever. That don't work. I got teens and it's just not helping me. And all of a sudden, you're looking in the dust. And God is saying, Abraham, wherever you look, I'm still there. I'm still there. So, Abraham, you may be going through the worst thing in your life right now. You may be struggling. You may be hurting. And your family may not be all that you want it to be. But guess what? God is saying, hey, wherever you look, I'll still be there in that situation. I am still here. I am still God. And I still want to do something in this situation. But God wanted to remind Abraham of something. Not just remind him that I'm there wherever you look. He's trying to get his focus. Because guess what fear does? Fear steals my focus. And he's trying to say, Abram, wherever you focus on, I'm there. I'm going to help you. But I've got to go to chapter 16. You see, why do you have to go to chapter 16? Because there's a little dialogue. There's a little passage. There's a little story here. Abraham in chapter 15, he's doing great. He's excited. God's promised him kids. But you go to chapter 16 and notice what happens. Verse number one. Now Sarai, this is Abram's wife. She bare him no children. And she had an handmaid. And the Egyptian, whose name was Hagar, and Sarai said unto Abraham, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me. She blames God. Restrain me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my handmaid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Now, I always think this verse is a little bit funny. Imagine this conversation around the dinner table or on date night or watching reruns of How I Met Your Mother just sitting there. Can't have children. And all of a sudden... Wife turns to Abraham, hey, baby, we can't have children, but you know what? Just go sleep with my servant. Maybe you can have kids by her. And here's Abraham's reaction. Well, baby, if you want me to, if it'll help the family, you know, I'm for you, girl. Whatever helps the family, of course Abraham's going to go with it, you know? It's kind of like Adam in the Garden of Eden. Hey, honey, would you eat this fruit? You're a naked woman, so you're always right, so I'm going to do it. I mean, I'm just getting real with you, okay? I know it's church and all, but I'm just getting real. All right, that's just how it works. All right, that's just it. All right, some of you are like, oh, church. I know we're in a theater. I kind of get a little bit wild. I know we got guests here. I apologize. I'll try to behave. I'll try. I don't promise. But here for Abraham, of course he went through. Why did they make this dumb decision? Can I tell you why? They lost focus. Can I tell you what happens in a lot of families across the country? We lose focus. I need you right now in your own mind to paint a target. And I need you to put three rings in that target. The outside ring, the target is happiness. And a lot of families today, that's your target. You're hitting for happiness. You want your family just to be happy. Whatever it takes to be happy. Disneyland cruises, uh, expensive vacations, the best clothes, the newest technology, the best iWatch. Your 14-year-old has nicer clothes, nicer car, nicer everything than you. And you are all about happiness. That's your goal. And you're aiming for it. And guess what? Your kid's a brat. 
Oh, I got a witness. Oh, are we having church now? Come on. Getting Bapticostal. Because why? It's all about happiness. McDonald's number one selling menu item. Can anybody guess what it is? Happy Meals. Who decided that? Come on. Give me a steak and baked potatoes or give me something else but a Happy Meal. Really? No. That means the kids. It's all about happiness. And for some of you, that's the target you painted, and you wonder why you're having problems in your home, because that's the target you picked. Here's the next target, and this is very modern, this is very up-to-date, especially in our area, healthy. You want your child emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally healthy. And we look at that one, we say, yeah, that's a great one. I just want them healthy. Problem is, as you look at the word, that's not what it says. The word says you want your children holy. Holy is the target. You say, what is holy? Some of you may not be familiar with church stuff. Let me get, break it down for you. Holy means to be like Jesus. That's what it means. It means that we're patterning our life, our, our, the way we think, the way we behave, everything that we do, how we live is after Jesus. But sadly, that's not our focus. Because Abraham and Sarai, they got off their focus because fear always steals our focus. And today, as you look at culture, and culture is in chaos because why? We kick Christ out of culture. And so now, whenever you kick Christ out of culture, you're always going to have chaos. We need him back in the family. And so what do we do? we got to get our focus back on him. And so what happens, though, we lose focus. And I'm going to give you three things. You may agree, disagree, however you want, but I'm going to show you from the word of God. I'm going to quote these verses. Matthew 6, says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But when we quote that verse out of Matthew 6, I often hear people say it like this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Like, it's this great thing. Like, it's such a beautiful scripture. We put it on, on letterheads. We may have it posted in our homes, but we don't believe it. Because my first and number one priority is God. That's the structure. Some of you are like, hey, where should my priorities be? I, I, I put he- happy, I put healthy, I, I put holy. Where am I supposed to be aiming for? And I'm telling you right now this morning, you're supposed to be aiming for the number one priority is God. I don't know about you, but if you play sports or if you're in any type of competition, they don't just hand you first place. They don't just say, hey, you did a good job. Here's first place. American Idol. Man, you are the worst, but you get first place. Nobody just is given first place. You have to seek it. You have to earn it. But today we live in a society where we just think God will just give us all the blessings. I don't got to seek him. And God's saying, no, 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 you got you to seek me first. You see, here's the thing. We all have a desire, or I could say this, a thirst to be first. Can you say that out loud? We have a thirst to be first. We all do. You do, I do, you do, she does, she does, he does, everybody. We have a thirst to be first. We have a thirst to be first at the stoplight. We have a thirst to be first in our home. We have a thirst to be first in the school. We have a thirst to be first at work. We got a thirst to be first in everything. Why? Because we're sinners. I don't care if you're saved. I don't care if you're on your way to heaven. You still got it. And God is saying, hey, seek me first. I know you have a thirst to be first, but uh, that's not my order. You see, God's first priority is God first. And here's the thing that I hear a lot of families do. And I'm going to talk to you, and this may really bother you. This may be a convicting series. I hear a lot of people say this. I'm putting my family first. A lot of Christians do it. I'm putting my family first. Pastor, I I can't be at church. i got to put my family first. Here's the thing. 
We love our families best when we love God most. We love our families best when we love God most. And God says, I'm first. What's the order of our family? First priority is God. Hey, we work six days, we worship one day. Now, this isn't a plug to be at church. This isn't just something where I'm just trying to, like, kick you now that I got you here. Like, oh, I've got to keep you here. But I'm saying, if you want happiness, if you want healthiness, and you want holiness in your family, you can have all three if you'll put God first. Because the Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then he uses this great little word. And then all these things shall be added unto you. You get all if you put holiness first, if you put Jesus first. God says, hey, what are you, look, what are you missing in your family? If you will put the bullseye, if you will put the target, if you will put the focus here. And guess what? Family's important. We're all about family. I'll tell you this. ABC is not for your family like the church is for your family. NBC is not for the family like we are for the family. Your, your school is not for the family like we're for the family. You can look across any organization across this country. Nothing is as for the family as the church. Nothing. The church wants to build your family, wants to strengthen your family. I want some of the best on fire, hottest, awesome marriages where you are emotionally, sexually, physically filled and satisfied, where you're just thinking, my marriage is awesome. Why would I ever want anything else? My kids are awesome. I don't want to ever trade them in. They're not perfect, but man, it is great. Why? Because it starts with the priority. The next priority is marriage. Second priority is marriage. This comes out of Ephesians chapter number five. Third priority is children. And can I tell you what? Oftentimes I see this happen in homes. Husband and wife get relegated to last place, that relationship. And you say, why is our family not having that vibrancy like we used to have before we had kids? Come on, before we had kids, date night was every night. It didn't matter what we were doing. Man, it was awesome. And we were doing stuff all over the place. It just didn't matter. Now you have to tell your kids, hey, if you come out of your room after 9.30, see some funky stuff going on. <laughs> like, you just tell your children, all right? Just, just get real with them, all right? But what happens now is the children take over. Heaven help me. I heard somebody the other day. They said, yeah, our children sleep with us. What? Oh, man. We need to, we need to go to work on this. That's no. That's, 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 that's where you've now gotten the priority of children first. And we do that as a society. And you're seeing why children are not turning out like we would want. Because we've relegated children to first place. Sarah's doing that in this passage. She's doing it. She says, I just want children. I just want a, I just want a child. However I have to do it by hook or by crook, just give me a child, Abraham. And she's going to get her way. Abraham's going to go along with it. Can I tell you what? I, I sympathize for Abraham. I, I, I got into the little uh, his fleshly motives here. But honestly, any loving husband wants to serve their wife, wants to bless their wife. I'll tell you this right now, wives. Your husband wants to bless you and serve you. He wants to be everything you want him to be. But he's frustrated. His work's pulling for his attention. He's frustrated because life is difficult. He's frustrated because he's thinking about college. He's frustrated because he's turning old. Come on. There's things that are just changing, and we don't know how to stop it. And all of a sudden, we're just thinking, man, I'm past my prime. All these young guys are doing stuff. Man, I have to ask my, my eight-year-old how to turn on my iPad. What in the world? What has society come to? Buy me the iWatch for Father's Day. I can't take it out of the box because I don't know how to turn it on. That happened to me the other day. I won't. I want you to understand. When it comes to the priority, 
We need to get back to where the family is in proper order. I want you to understand this, though. Just because you're a parent doesn't mean you're parenting. Just because you're a parent doesn't mean you're parenting. Just because you have kids and that you have that title doesn't mean you're parenting. You're parenting when you get that order in place. And teach your children from a young age. What I see a lot of parents do is they want to make their children their best friend too soon. There will come a day where your children will be your best friend. But we try to do that when they're seven and eight. Hey, let's go to the mall. Let's kick it. You know, that hat is on fleek. And we try to come up with their lingo. And it's just kind of like, yes, I got it. How are we wearing hats today? Wearing them like this? No, like this, you know? How are we, how are we wearing our clothes? Like, what are we doing nowadays? You know, I don't want to be cool. And your kid is like, can you drop me off around the corner? Like, and just never do that again. Hey, look, I made a YouTube. Tuber video, check it out, you know, me and my music. And the kids are just like, no, stop. They're trying to be that friend. But what happens is I see a lot of parents, they want to circumnavigate the hard work in those early years. And they want to skip ahead to friendship stage. And they never build that solid foundation that children are to obey and honor their parents. We skip that. You don't typically honor your best friend. Doesn't really happen. You don't reverence them. You don't respect them. You don't typically obey them like you should. Why? Because we put the order out of place. And we need to get back to the proper order. The Bible says this, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. Not the way the child thinks he should go. Because your child's got an opinion. My child's opinion is they should be able to eat whatever they want when they want. They should be able to sleep in as long as they want, stay up as late as they want, and do whatever they want. And how many of you know your children would be dead pretty soon? Like my kids would be out in the street. They'd be hit by a car. They would, I kid you not, Austin would be in the dryer with it on and he'd be going around. Some of you remember that uh, Willy Wonka chocolate factory, the kid, Gustav, you know, that would be Austin. It would be him because Megan has put him in the dryer. And unless Jane and myself are there or kids, they would be in the ER a whole lot more. Why? Because our kids are just bent on self-destruction. And so we've got to be there to train them. Lastly. We need to learn to listen. You see what he mean? Why did Abraham fall for this? I want you to see what happened in the rest of that passage. So Abraham, he goes and he sleeps with Sarah. And I, I don't want you to think this is some Ashley Madison stuff. Like this is, this is really horrible. In that day and age, you just, this was kind of culturally acceptable. It was culturally common. But just because something is culturally common does not make it correct. I just want to say that. I just want to say it right now. And I may offend some of you. I, I really might. And I apologize. We're glad you're here. We love you. But I want you to understand that not everything culture tells you about your family is correct. Hey, I'm tired of every TV show that I watch. A dad is the idiot and the children are brilliant. Come on. Where did that happen? I don't get that. I'm glad one person is like, yes, come on, preach it. Man, I have a sister in the house. Thank you. Because I want you to understand, your children are going to gang up against you. They will take you out. I don't know if Austin and Megan, like, get crayons and draw the battle plan and everything. But, I mean, your kids, they're out to take mom and dad down. Like, you are uh, enemy number one. And so you need to step up and say, why did we fall for this? How did we get into this mess? 
So here it is in verse number three. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the maid of Egypt, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And when he went in unto Hagar, she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abraham, my wrong, that stupid decision I made, be upon my head into thine bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. Verse number six. But Abraham said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. I want you to understand something. Here's what Abraham did. He abdicated. Yeah, he stepped into the situation. Yeah, yeah, girl, I'll help you out. You want to have a baby? All right, we'll make this happen. He stepped in the situation. But when it came time for responsibility, he backed out, didn't he? He checked out on his role of responsibility. Just because you are a parent doesn't mean you are parenting. And here is Abram. He is a parent, but he doesn't want to parent this child. He's the parent of this child. And he says, Sarah, this is, that's your thing. I hope we're not those type of parents. How did he get into this mess? You want to know where the Arab-Israel conflict started? It started right there. Because guess what the name of Hagar's son is going to be? Ishmael. Ishmaelites. From there, you get all the other Arab nations. Out of their son Isaac, you get all the Israelites. And how many of you know the conflict from this union we still feel today? We are living history because of one bad decision. But you say, where did that decision happen? It became because of who Abram was listening to. And did you notice this? In chapter number 16, the Bible says, And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me. And then the very end of verse number 2, it says that Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. In chapter 15, he heard the word of the Lord. He was listening to God's voice. What happens to you, what happens to me, is we stop listening to the right voice. We start listening to the wrong voice. There are some people at work that have never had children that will tell you how to parent yours. There are people at work, they've never been able to stay in a relationship, but they'll tell you how your relationship should work. There are people at work who have cheated on their spouse five, six, seven, eight times, but they want to give you advice. You see, it's real easy to find voices to listen to that'll lead you astray. So this morning, we need to make the decision that I am going to look to listen, learn to listen to the right voices. You see, God said to Abraham, and Abraham believed it. There used to be an old, old quote that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Abraham said, God said it, I believe it, but I didn't settle it. Why? Because something happened. There was a breakdown there. You see, Abraham had a promise from God, but there's a problem. He couldn't see what God had said. And for some of you, you're losing your focus because God has said something to you. He's promised that he wants to build your home, build your family, build your marriage, build up children, train them up, send them out into the world and so that you have a great family. But some of you aren't seeing what God has said, and so you're losing your focus, and so you're looking for other means. You're looking for a new spouse. You're looking to say, how can I just get my children out of my house what do you want video games what do you want money what do you want a car just whatever it takes to keep you happy because i am frustrated with this we just want to get rid of them instead of saying wait a minute god has given me these moments and it comes because too often we focus on the problem and lose sight of the promise you're focused on the problem you're focused on the problem with your teenager you're focused on the problem with your spouse you're focused on the problem that there's not enough money for the mortgage you're just focusing on all these things instead of focusing on the promise that god has given you That God wants to build a great family. That God wants to do something great and extraordinary through you. 
That God wants to take your children and use them in an awesome and a mighty way. And some of you have given up on your children. And I'm asking you to once again get down off of your knees and get your face out of the dust because everything's bad. And get your eyes on the stars and say, God, wherever I look, you are there. I will not quit on this situation. I didn't know there's so many syllables in the situation. But some of you, you're just like, drop the mic, I'm done. Walking off the stage, walking out of the house, walking out of the relationship, walking out of the marriage, walking out of every responsibility where the land is littered with parents who said, peace, yo. Who suffers? Everybody. We often say, well, the children suffer the most. Everybody suffers. Even the person who walks out suffers. They live with that shame the rest of their life. Children suffer because they feel unwanted. Though a part of them is missing. And we've got... The land riddled with broken relationships because people got their eyes on the problem. Some of you, let me go to New Testament reference. Peter is walking on water. When he got his eyes off of Jesus and on the waves is when he sunk. When he got his eyes on the problem is when Peter sunk. When you get your eyes off of God, it's when you sink. That's why it's good to keep God as your first priority. That's why it's important, folks. You see, I'm coming all right back to it. It's not just so that we can build a great church. We can have all these people and so we can do all this stuff. No, no. I want you to be happy, healthy, and holy. That's what I want for you. That's my bullseye for you. That's my prayer for you. That's my desire for you. That's what I will give my last breath to help you have a happy, holy, and a healthy family. That's what we want. Our church will help you. We have growth groups to support you. We have a kind community that will be there for you. We do outreach in, in our area to help to constantly build up families. So we need to see that our focus has to be on the promise of God. Lastly, please write this down. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is mine. You say, but I don't know if I, can, if I can fully just lean back on God learning to lean. I don't know if I can just fully trust him. God will take care of the outcome. We just have to be obedient. Ours is the easy part. You don't want to be the person who has to be responsible for uh, saying, hey, God, how am I going to do this miracle? God says, I'll take care of that. I'll do for you what you cannot do. I will help you. I will build you. So as we learn to build great families, we need to get back to learning, to lean, learn to look, and learn to listen. As we wrap things up, because this is like a classroom seminar, there's going to be a test. In your worship guide, there's a test. Would you pull out the test that was in your worship guide? We're going to take a test. I know some of you are like, oh, no, I didn't study. I didn't prepare for this test. You're going to throw a test at me? I knew I hated this church. No, no, don't worry. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. This is called the hashtag family test. Circle all that apply. No cheating. No looking on your neighbor's test. We gave you one of the complimentary Southridge Baptist Church pens. Those are a million dollars if you don't take them home, you know. And uh, so you, we gave you those. But here's the test. I'm going to read them out. And this week, I want you to think on them. I want you to pray on them. Your growth groups, you're going to talk about them. Number one, do you have, don't answer out loud. Do you have a date night with your spouse at least twice a month? A, never. B, sometimes. C, always. This is stuff for you to think about. Do you have dinner together as a family at least three times per week? Never. Sometimes. Always. There's got to be a priority of the family getting together. Aside from when we're going to watch our shows. A time where you can look at each other. No phones allowed. Put that sign there. Just say, hey, phones, no phones allowed at the dinner table. Just do it. I sat down with one person. I kid you not. This is back in the day where you had those big old TVs. 
We started to talk, and I looked over to start talking to him. He reached down, turned, and he grabbed a little TV, and he set it right in front of him on the dinner table. I said, okay. I see how this conversation could go. That was rude. I was just like, okay, I'll talk to my lettuce. How you doing? I'm about to eat you. You look good. You know, and it's just how it goes. Do your children sleep in their own beds every night? Oh, man. Oh, never, sometimes, always. Now, now, there might be nightmares. I, I get it. But this is not a habitual thing. No, 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 no. Mommy and daddy need their rest time, play time. Okay, we just, you just lock the door. They'll be okay. They will. They'll be all right. Do you have sexual intimacy with your spouse two times per day? I mean, per week, per week. Some of you were like, this church just got good. I like it. I'm coming. Sign me up. I'm going to join. Per week, per week. <laughs> wow, man. Some of you are like, I'm never coming back. This guy. Twice per week. Psychologists say that's a healthy number of times between you and your spouse. Spouse, spouse. May I add spouse, okay? Um, don't add, uh, yeah, we got all kinds of stuff to say about that. Married. Do you and your spouse present a unified front when children question your authority? Your children's authority, is your children's goal right now, I don't care whatever age or stage, is to divide and conquer. Here's how they work it. This is what they did to me this morning. I had no clue. They went up to Jane. Jane is my wife, Filipino lady. You may have saw her on the way in. Little son Austin, can I have a donut? No. Okay. Went over to somebody else. Can I have a donut? No, Austin. I didn't even know that he had already had two other no's. And he comes to me. Sure, have a donut. What did he just do? He split our authority. I didn't know. End around. Her authority is my authority. My authority is her authority. We share authority. And a lot of times, one of you like to be the fun person. Hey, let's spend money that we don't have. Let's do something fun and crazy. Let's get a pony. Why? It's not your birthday. Let's just get a pony. Let's just have some fun with a pony. Everybody loves a pony. I'm 19. Ah, 19-year-olds love ponies. Get a pony. We don't have money for the pony. Shut up. We're having a pony. And then somebody else is like, how are we paying for the pony? I don't know. Let's go steal a pony. Let's borrow a pony. Just borrow it. What happened? You just divided. And now the children know who to go to. They know who's the weaker one. You need to have a united front. United. Is weekly church attendance a priority for you and your family and reflected in your schedule? First priority is God. Second priority is marriage. Third priority is children. Is it reflected in your schedule? Six days we work, one day we worship. That's just God's order. It's God's order. If, if you don't have a church, we want to be your church. We really do. That's why we're here. We were hoping that we can build. We want, want to grow. We're excited about what God has for us. We're a new church. We're not even two years old. We're excited about the future that God has for us. But we don't want to steal you. We tell people all the time, go where you'll grow. If this be a church that you and your family can grow and thrive at, we want you here. If it's not for you, it's not for you. We love you, and we're happy for you. We'll pray for you. We'll um, love to chat with you. But just understand that God needs to be a priority in your schedule, reflected in your schedule. Lastly, do you pray together as a couple once every day? There's a typo there. Once every day, never, sometimes, always. That's the test. This week, we want you to take that home. We want you to think about it. We want you to talk about it in your growth groups. If you're not a part of our growth groups, join our growth groups. Get involved in one. It'll help you. You need other friends talking about it. Can we have everybody stand? We wrap our services up with a time of reflection because it's very important that we think over what we've just heard. It's too easy to get distracted, especially as you go downstairs. You smell all the smells. You see all the sights. And everything that you just heard, everything that God just put on your heart just slips away. 
And we need to remember this week that, Lord, I need to learn to lean on you. I need to learn to look to you, whether it's the stars or the dust, good times and bad. Also, I need to learn to listen to you. I need to learn these things. And, Lord, what am I not doing on this test? God, this this is not to be critical. That guy wasn't trying to hurt me down there. He's trying to help my marriage. He's fighting more for my marriage than I am. And Lord, I need a strong marriage. I want a strong family. Help me. Every head bowed and every eye closed.